Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi there, and welcome to the Explaining History podcast. And um, it's a pretty momentous episode today because um, finally, after many years of uh, basically not getting around to it, I've invested in some proper sound equipment. I'm talking through an actual microphone today. Um, So there you go, eight years of doing the podcast and we finally made it to that that, that exalted level. Um, So anyway, a massive thank you goes out to the... uh, patrons of the podcast who contribute uh, a little bit on uh, Patreon uh, because it's your kind donations that have helped us to uh, get this uh, equipment. Okay, and this will result in happier listening conditions for everybody. So today we're going to look at the Stalin Constitution of 1935 and the results uh, that that had on social stigma. Uh, and the stigmatisation of enemy classes. Um, there is a, a famous quote by Stalin. Um, he said in 1934, um, a, a big part of 1935, a son does not answer for his father. Um, and this was one of these typically kind of enigmatic aphorisms by Stalin, which may have been a throwaway comment. Um, or and perhaps may have had uh, deeper significance. It's one of the ways in which information, ideas and particular policy uh, was transmitted in the Soviet Union was through pronouncements by Stalin in uh, the press or um, sometimes even things like uh, reviews of books that Stalin uh, made. He would write uh, prodigiously on a, a huge range of topics um, and whether he thought a, a piece of art or literature or culture was uh, good or bad could often be seen as kind of bellwether moments in uh, the changing of policy. So, unsurprisingly, uh, commentators and uh, policy uh, wonks and um, bureaucrats and party apparatchiks hung on Stalin's words 
Um, so today, once again, we're looking at uh, Sheila Fitzpatrick's Everyday Stalinism. Um, and she writes, The regime's policy on uh, social stigmatisation changed in the course of the 1930s, though the practice of most party and government agencies was much slower to shift, and there were hints that the change was controversial in high political circles. As early as February 1934, Molotov told the 7th Congress of Soviets that restrictions on the franchise were temporary measures, necessary only as long as the old exploiting classes constituted a threat. Now, he said, only about 2 million people were disenfranchised, and soon it would be possible to eliminate the category altogether. So, let's just recap on, on what this was really all about. Um, many uh, Stalinists believe that the, the business of 1917, the business of the October Revolution and the Civil War that followed it, was not done. That um, the Civil War was, in the eyes of the Bolsheviks at the time and later the Stalinists, meant to be the means by which um, class, uh, the, the former ruling classes, the enemy classes, the former people, were uh, either uh, re-educated so as they accepted uh, proletarianization, or they were um, annihilated, they were wiped out. And it was um, true that a significant number of former Tsarist officers and government ministers, um, uh, members of the bourgeoisie, and members of um, the, the aristocracy itself, had managed to survive the revolution and had managed to um, survive the, um, the civil war and the early Bolshevik period. And they had uh, been able to integrate themselves into Soviet society. They had done that through sometimes, um, uh, sometimes they had found ways of being accepted into Soviet society, but more often than not, they had uh, done it through uh, finding new identities, um, forged papers and all that kind of stuff, for which there were some terrifically heavy penalties. Um, and the, of course the other enemy class of the late 20s, early 1930s is the, uh, the Kulak class, um, of whom we have spoken um, uh, significantly before. And it was these classes of people... Um, who Stalin said, essentially, they, these are the dangerous people in our country, when eventually somebody like Hitler comes knocking, they're the ones that will stab us in the back first. They will, they'll be the ones that will be uh, laying roadside mines and taking pot shots at Soviet commissars from, uh, from the balcony, and that kind of thing. We've got to get rid of them. Um, and we've certainly got to make sure that they cannot go underground. They cannot sort of... Uh, um, assume uh, the uh, status of Soviet citizens and, and go around wearing a kind of a mask. In, in Soviet uh, discourse, masks and um, looking behind the mask to see what's really going on um, was a, a kind of a, a powerful theme, a powerful idea. And Stalin believed that the more you stigmatise these individuals and the more you... Um, prevented the uh, you know the, the the bad class ideas that they must have passed down to their children from leaching out into uh, the or new revolutionary society, which needs to be kind of 
preserved against the, these, these dangerous individuals, so much the better. However, by 1934 to 35, it was clear that the party was looking upon this no longer as, strictly speaking, a necessity. Um, and the uh, elimination of um, this, this category um, of, of disin you know, disenfranchised people would give um, a, uh, a boost to the idea that the Soviet Union was in some way a, a democratic society, that uh, all um, that eventually all people would be uh, enfranchised, would have the vote. The fact that they had candidates to choose from from one party really uh, um, was uh, a bit a bit contrary to that notion. However, the logic was that um, the, were the, the the Soviet proletariat had only one party that could really represent its interests anyway, and so you simply chose who you thought the better person within that party was. Um, the first move um, concerned uh, the children of the disenfranchised, uh, but not their parents. Um, so it was the, the children who had been stigmatised by their parents' class origins who began to be kind of released from the burden uh, of the, the persecution uh, by proxy. Um, Sheila Fitzpatrick writes, At the end of 1935, making an impromptu comment on a speech by a Stakhanovite uh, who claimed that uh, recognition had been withheld from him because his father had been dekulakized, Stalin pronounced that a son does not answer for his father. He never returned to the issue, but the message was elaborated by others. Uh, the Commission for Soviet Control ordered Soviet government and industrial agencies to cease firing and refusing to hire people uh, for such reasons as social origin, having past convictions, convictions of parents and relatives and so on. A.A. Saltz, a member of the commission, underlined the importance of lifting past stigmas so that a person can forget his social origins and criminal convictions. The offspring of the Kulak is not to blame for that, since he did not choose his parents. Therefore, they're saying now, don't, perse don't persecute people for class origins. So looking beyond the sort of uh, simple explanation that it was about uh, an attempt to give the Soviet Union a democratic veneer, which you know, was, is, is a questionable notion, really. The rationale uh, that has been put forward by some historians is that uh, the Soviet Union, um, in a period of dramatic economic expansion under the five-year plans, could not afford for large numbers of skilled or semi-skilled people to be disenfranchised. Um, these were the people who might be techni technicians or engineers, but were easily sackable. These were the people that managers were not just didn't want to hire, but were afraid to hire, uh, lest their poor class origins uh, spoke volumes about the manager's choices. So it was a, a way of uh, allowing skills, expertise and labour into an economy that was, of course, desperately, desperately in need of as much expertise, skills and labour uh, as possible. There is uh, no uh, rational state or even irrational state 
um, going that uh, when trying to dramatically increase industrial capacity, simultaneously tries to make the workforce as small as possible. Um, it just doesn't function like that. Um, not all um, uh, tiers of government took uh, these pronouncements uh, at face value. Um, one uh, respondent uh, in the, the famous Harvard project where, the, uh, where Harvard University uh, interviewed uh, Soviet uh, POWs before they were shipped back to um, the Soviet Union um, and gained a, a vast amount of, uh, vast treasure trove of information. Um, one respondent to this said, uh, but that was not the case. Uh, this, um, uh, the, the, the promises that Stalin made, they said this was not the case because I was and remained the son of a kulak. Another respondent, whose father was a former noble landowner, recalled that a meeting was called at her technical school to discuss the implication of Stalin's new slogan. The speaker, that si uh, the speaker said that since children no longer had to bear the sins of their parents, and though, um, that those who had hidden their social origin should not be afraid to speak. All students who had hidden their social origin were encouraged to come up to the podium and to talk. The atmosphere was intimidatory, and this respondent sensed a trap and kept silent. One of the few students to respond disappeared from the school shortly thereafter, she claimed. And it would have been entirely uh, unwise for um, anyone to have uh, taken that offer at face value. A more cynical approach to the uh, destigmatization um, was that it was uh, an opportunity for people who had been hiding their class origins to reveal themselves. Um, and uh, this was not the first time that Stalin would have used a ploy um, to draw enemies out into the open. Uh, it was rather uh, emulated by uh, Mao, his admirer, uh, during the Hundred Flowers campaign of, of 1957. Nevertheless, the formal policy um, uh, that was uh, promised by uh, Molotov went forward, um, though it didn't go forward smoothly. The commission um, that was charged uh, with redrafting uh, with, or, or drafting the new constitution for the Soviet state struggled with the question of just how far to go in removing the stigma from class aliens. Late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There are stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. At the 11th hour, in circumstances that are unclear but suggestive of an intervention from the highest level, all the social grounds for disenfranchisement were dropped from the draft constitution. And the new constitution, uh, which was issued after a public discussion uh, of the published draft, um, affirmed that all citizens of the USSR uh, who were over 18, irrespective of race, nationality, religious confession, education level, way of life, social origin, property status and past activity had the right to vote in Soviet elections and also the right to be uh, elected. In his commentary on the discussion, Stalin dismissed a proposed amendment to deprive voting rights, uh, deprive of voting rights, ministers of religion, former white guards, all, me- all former people and persons who are not engaged in socially useful labour. Soviet power, Stalin said, had deprived non-toiling and exploiting elements of voting rights, not for eternity, but temporarily for a given period. Now the old exploiting classes have been liquidated, um, either uh, consigned to the prison camps or executed or proletarianised. Um, the Soviet regime should uh, be strong enough to remove these limitations. After all, Stalin said, damning with faint praise, not all former kulaks, white guards and priests are hostile. So it is possible that Stalin saw this as a, 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 a test of the new state. It's possible that it was a ploy to draw out enemies of um, uh, class enemies and people with uh, unacceptable social origins. It's possible that Stalin uh, believed that by drawing um, class enemies into the state, by enfranchising them, by giving them participation, um, the, the feared fifth columns might be uh, slightly, um, slightly, slightly more sparse uh, when the, the future war came. Um, but Sheila Fitzpatrick writes, The ambivalence of Stalin's comments was reflected in public reaction uh, as well as implementation of the new policy. I can't accept that priests should be electors or elected, wrote R. Belayev uh, from the Kalinin region. In my opinion, a priest is not a toiler but a parasite. It will be very bad for those who are activists during dekulakization and the liquidation of the kulaks um, if they later get the vote, I wrote K. Uh, um who was a Kolkoshnik, who was uh, a collectivised uh, peasant. The kulak may now, if he gets into power, press very hard on those people, the activists, because even today the kulaks have a great hatred. So the um, rabid uh, hatred of the kulaks that had been drummed up by the regime uh, persisted throughout this period, and um, it manifests itself here in, in almost a kind of a, a, a fearful um, kind of sense of 
slight paranoia that well, if we re-enfranchise the Kulaks, we give them a bit of power, uh, they might come back looking for revenge. And this correspondent, Mr. K. Polchamenko, um, he's described as a Kolkhoznik. So he would have been one of the um, probably poorer peasants who accepted collectivization, who participated in collectivization, and um, was uh, perhaps uh, one of those that had benefited um, in terms of uh, belongings or equipment or livestock at the expense of the Kulaks. Um, it was the poor peasants in the villages that were turned on the Kulaks um, and um, were used really as, as a weapon to smash wealthier peasants um, uh, across um, Soviet Russia and the Ukraine. While the Politburo duly ruled in the spring of 1937 that all actions depriving citizens of the USSR of voting rights on the grounds of social origin must cease, the message that officials and the public were getting was very mixed. The terror of the Great Purges was already underway, and the distinction between the old class enemies and new enemies of the people was by no means clear. Social origin was raised time and time again in cases of expulsion from the Komsomol in Smolensk in a province in 1937, although during the appeals process the following year, persons expelled on the grounds were routinely reinstated. So here is an, another key area of um, class, dis uh, class persecution um, and the persecution of former peoples and the persecution of the children of former peoples was the exclusion from the Komsomol. Uh, the Komsomol and the Young Pioneers being the, the two Soviet youth organisations. And there, there is some very interesting writing in um, Orlando Feige's The Whisperers and Doug Smith's Former People, which explains really the, the kind of the, the heartbreak and sadness of um, children who were denied the right to be in the Komsomol. Um, the Komsomol not only just being a large youth organisation, but being a, a kind of a, a, um, a political uh, and revolutionary organisation uh, tasked with the building of socialism uh, in the Soviet Union. Um, and the, uh, the, the kind of the sense of belonging and participation uh, and respect and pride amongst one's peers is hard in our uh, more uh, atomised times perhaps to really fully comprehend. But to be excluded from the Komsomol was a significant thing. Um, uh, and one, uh, once again, that was uh, based around, around um, class origins. So the, despite what the government was saying, uh, there were different tiers of society, uh, from employers to youth, organi youth organisers, um, who really quite ignored um, these, these edicts. Um, partly because they are profoundly mixed messages from the state. The state is, by 1937, saying one thing and definitely doing another. Uh, and to expel and exclude is a lot easier and a lot safer. And also, there are those who look upon um, the, uh, the things that are said by Stalin as 
maybe being slightly um, empty rhetoric, you know, well, he, 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 the comrade Stalin has to say these sorts of things, but I don't think he really means them. I think he really wants us to carry on with persecution. That, that's what he would want, because you, you know, he's told us that these people are tricky and dangerous and you've got to watch them. Uh, and so you can't be too careful. That, that sort of attitude. During the Great Purges, uh, discussing people's social background um, and questioning where people really come from, um, saying, well, you know, we'd never heard of you in this town until five years ago, and, and then you, you just turned up, and we never really got to the bottom of who you are and who your father and grandfather were. Um, these sorts of, the, the, these sorts of uh, conversations uh, happen with increasing regularity. As people get very nervous... Um, very worried that in their midst, in their workplace, there might be a class traitor and they might be accused of talking to that person or not being sufficiently suspicious of them um, and winding up uh, being basically taken away and shot um, or at least sent away for a long spell in, in a labour camp. Um, Sheila Fitzpatrick writes, People continue to be discriminated against or worse because of their social origins. For example... The secretary of the Stalinsk Party Committee in Siberia had no hesitation in stating in August 1937 that a certain Shevchenko was not included in the list of delegates to the Kuzbass Congress of Stakhanovites because his father is a former Kulak deprived of voting rights. As late as 1939, an officer in the Leningrad NKVD was still recommending the dismissal of teachers daughters of priests, nobles and czarist officials as socially alien elements who were sullying the school in which they worked. But the times were evidently changing. The head of the local school's department boldly disputed the NKVD officer's recommendation. Um, his assumption that social origin is the only criterion of worth and stated his own opinion that in the view of the teachers, um, uh, that, that in view of the teachers' records of service and pedagogical qualifications, there were no grounds for dismissal. So this is fascinating. Not only is there um, a, a reluctance at middle tiers of the regime to necessarily listen to uh, new constitutional ideas created at the top, but in the middle tiers between NKVD officers and head teachers, there is, uh, you know, in this example particularly, there is conflict, there is tussle, there is um, the idea that class origin is not the sole determinant of, of merit um, on, on the part of the teacher, and I believe certainly that, that it is on behalf of the secret policeman. And so that tells us, well, it tells us one of those maddening things about uh, Soviet history that the, the, there are we're always sitting on kind of shifting sands that those hard and fast ideas about the uh, the functioning of the state and its efficient brutality um, its um, order and all that kind of stuff is much as when discussing Nazism hugely misleading there are all sorts of complex and contradictory uh, ebbs and flows of policy, ideas, uh, allegiance to those concepts, uh, the willingness to carry them out. Um, and often people take the ideas that are transmitted to them 
and begin to bend and shape them in uh, ways that perhaps the regime hadn't experienced. Um, and, they, and some of this was happening during periods of intense terror, which again perhaps tells us something about um, how people reacted uh, in those circumstances. Anyway, I'm going to finish there. Um, any, any feedback on the hopefully newly improved levels of sound quality, gratefully received, um, and have yourselves a great and peaceful and safe time at home. Um, and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. Thanks very much. All the best. Bye-bye. Oh, and if you can, do pop by our Patreon page. We're always in need of a donation, if you can, to keep the podcast going. Thanks. All the best. Bye-bye. The late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There are stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.